Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking into wide open. Touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones is just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are going to talk draft stock national championship edition because there were so many players in the national championship game between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the national champion Georgia Bulldogs that are going to be drafted in April. And the Jets obviously have a whole bunch of picks. So some of these guys could end up in Jet Green, want to talk about the ones who would make some sense, some of the guys who have helped themselves specifically in the national championship game, and then we'll get into their stock and their fit in general. And for that, we bring back our friend Jordan DeLugo of thedraftjournal.com and, of course, reporter for Generation Jag covering the Jaguars down there in Jacksonville. So he's got some insight into what he thinks the Jaguars are going to do. We've talked about this before. And we'll get into the stock of Evan Neal, obviously, because of the fact that he could be of particular interest to the Jets and the Jaguars. Jordan, welcome back to the show, sir. Appreciate you having me, as always. Have a great time chatting some football with you, some drafts, some Jaguars and Jets. Um, it, it was a heck of a national championship, obviously low scoring for for the large majority of that contest. But the fourth quarter, we saw some some highlights uh, from Georgia specifically, but yeah, I think it was a thrilling championship game. Um, and like you said, a ton, a ton of draft eligible guys. I would say I, c- I can't imagine a game throughout history. That's going to have more guys drafted. Absolutely incredible. And the funny thing is you could make a case that the two guys that would go highest in this draft are not even going to be able to be in the draft. Bryce Young, the quarterback out of Alabama, and Will Anderson, 
who's the outside linebacker for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Both of those guys could be number one overall picks if they were in this draft, but neither one is eligible. So watch them going forward. But as far as the guys that are going to be in this draft, let's start with the biggest player. And I mean that literally, Evan Neal, as I like to call him, Big Ev. So just so everybody is aware, if he does fall to number four and the Jets take him, you're going to see some Big Ev t-shirts over on our store at tpublic.com. Trust me on that. Evan Neal, to me, solidified why I think he's probably the best player in this draft. 350 pounds, just a mauler in the run game, and a wall in pass protection. He can play tackle, he can play guard, and then move to tackle. I've talked about that possibility before for the Jets, where because they have Mekhi Becton and George Fant, if those two guys stayed healthy, Neal could come in in 2022, play guard with Elijah Vera Tucker, and then slide over to tackle in 2023 and be a dominant force with Mekhi Becton for a decade after that once George Fant's contract expires. But I think he's going to go number one. The Jaguars could trade out of that spot, but we've talked about this before, Jordan. It makes so much sense. you got to protect Trevor Lawrence. He's the crown jewel, especially if they were to hire an offensive-minded guy like Byron Leftwich. That would make it even more obvious. And I think Evan Neal did as much as anybody else on that field in the national championship game to solidify where he already was before the game and maybe even boost his stock a little bit because I thought he brought his A game. He was outstanding. I agree with you. He did give up the sack on the last play of the game, which was an inconsequential play. Uh, I think everybody was kind of checked out at that point. Other than that, it was a pretty clean sheet for him. Like you said, he was really moving people off the line as a run blocker. He was lined up against Trayvon Walker, who's going to be a first round pick who we'll talk about quite often, um, both in the running game and in pass protection. And quite honestly, Walker just didn't stand a chance um, in either facets of the game. And I, I, I don't blame Walker for that. I don't think that hurts Walker's stock because you saw him do some things away from the line of scrimmage that just showed you how athletic and imposing and just his size and athleticism combination is really rare. But getting back to Evan Neal, he stoned Walker the whole game um, and whoever he was up against. And I think, like you said, he's going to be one of the top guys taken in April. Um, I don't know. For me, he's not the number one graded player on my board. That's Kyle Hamilton right now. But Evan Neal is probably the most valuable prospect when you combine his grade, his physical ability, and the fact that he can play left tackle, right tackle, guard um, on both sides of the line. No question about it. I think when you talk about position value, scarcity, and ability, Evan Neal is the top guy, at least for right now. We'll see what happens throughout the draft process. But he's not the only guy on that Alabama offensive line who's going to the pros. I know that Emil Ekior, the guard, is one of them. He's certainly in play sometime in the mid-rounds. Talk a little bit about some of the other players on that Alabama line that could be making their debut on Sunday sometime later this year. Yeah, unfortunately for a lot of the rest of that offensive line, it was a struggle. Um, again, Georgia has a dominant defensive front. They mm -hmm. move those guys around a ton. They blitz a ton with their linebackers and their safeties. Uh, if you want to talk about people that didn't help their draft stock or prospects that didn't help their draft stock in this one, 
I think Ekior is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really tough, tough day for that right side of the line for Alabama. Now let's talk about the other side of the offensive line. That, of course, Georgia. Jamari Sellier in there. I thought he played fairly well, considering that he was going up against some really good players. We talked about Will Anderson before, who was dominant as usual. Who are some of the guys that were in this game that you see going to the pros? And talk a little bit about what they may have done for their stock, positively or negatively. Yeah, for Georgia's um, offensive line, I agree. Sellier played well. It's just so bizarre to me. He he tests out super well at tackle, but he just doesn't look like a tackle at all. The way he moves, like he's 6'4", 325. Well, so is Ikem Ekwanu, but they do not move the same way. Salier moves like a guard. He's going to have to play guard at the next level, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, but he played well. Like you said, Will Anderson is going to be at this point, if we had to have the 2023 NFL draft right now, he would be the first or second pick, depending on if the number one team needs a quarterback or not. But he would be right up there. And uh, Salier held his own, no question about it. I do think Georgia just kind of trying to establish the run and get the ball out quick and roll away from pressure helps him. But he played well, and I think he, he has a shot to be a day two guard prospect, uh, get drafted on day two of the draft and – Uh, go in and start immediately somewhere. Uh, But looking at some of the other guys who could, uh, could have helped themselves out or did help themselves out. I think even though Jamison Williams got injured in this one with the ACL, which is awful, awful, awful for him. um, And John Mechie wasn't in this one. He also has the torn ACL. I think their, the lack of their presence really if you look at it from a from a way that you see that Alabama was able to just kind of go scorched earth on Georgia in the first matchup this season, and then when Jamison Williams goes out, you have John Mechie already out, they're not able to generate offense without those two guys. You can argue that even though they're injured right now, they helped their draft stock and in, in the fact that they showed how valuable they were to this Alabama offense. Jordan, since you're talking about pass catchers, one of the most interesting prospects in this game was George Pickens, the wide receiver for Georgia. I've been a big fan of his going back to last year, thought that if he had stayed healthy this year, he could have proven himself to be a first-round pick, unfortunately, tore that ACL. And as you and I were talking about before we started recording, was erratic when he came back. And you've got to have that in the back of your mind when you're an NFL team drafting a guy like that. He, to me, is a very boomer bust type of pick because if you grab him in the fourth or fifth round, if that's where he ends up going, that it's probably worth a swing. If he works out for you, you're a genius and he becomes the number one receiver. If he doesn't, oh, well, you gave it a shot. But he could end up going somewhere in like the second round if he tests really well at the combine. That, to me, is something that I wouldn't be willing to do. I'd be way too nervous to pick a guy like that in the second round. And then you take a look at the pass catchers from Alabama. We already spoke about Jamison Williams and John Mechie. Let's talk about Jaleel Billingsley. Here's a guy that doesn't quite have the same hype around him as Jalen Weidermeyer out of Texas A&M. Or, of course, the guy that you and I both think is the number one tight end in this class, Trey McBride, out of Colorado State. 
not even the same type of hype that Brock Bowers deservingly gets. The tight end from Georgia who played in this game, who I think would be an easy first round pick if he was in this draft, but he's unfortunately not in this draft. Tell me a little bit about what you thought about Billingsley's performance, where he could go, and then George Pickens, because to me, he's fascinating. And he made that incredible catch, and it showed you exactly why people thought he was that first-round talent. But then there's the other end of it, where he's been inconsistent, he's had the injuries, and so you don't really know where he's going to go. He's a real wild card. Yeah, sticking with Billingsley to start here, he has excellent athletic ability, um, can get open, no question about that in my mind. I think because he doesn't have great ball skills and physicality, I'm not sure that he's going to be a featured tight end at the next level. If so, there's going to need to be a lot of development that takes place um, in terms of just his ability to go up and snatch the ball. Uh, He doesn't really have that in my opinion. But when you talk about getting a role player that's a move tight end that you can create space for and he can do a good job creating space himself I do think Billingsley can be that complimentary piece at tight end I don't know that he's going to be like a featured type of guy at the next level Um, and George Pickens prior to this season there were people that thought he was the best wide receiver in the draft he might be one of the most talented wide receivers in the draft I definitely think if he played the whole year he'd be getting that first round consideration like you said and I don't believe there's any way he falls to day three of the draft he's going to be selected on day two probably in the second round if I had to guess just because you don't find guys with his combination of physicality speed he's six foot three he's over 200 pounds Um, When he was healthy in 2020, he did a really good job of being a big-time producer for that Georgia passing game. Um, Obviously, he rushed back from the injury this year and wasn't very productive in terms of what he was able to do after the SEC championship game, but the talent is there. Is there some risk? Yes. Have I heard some things about maybe he's not – Uh, got his head on completely straight, not the most mature guy that I have heard that. So there's some risk involved, but when you talk about a guy that has the first round talent, teams are, and and this is a passing league, don't forget it, teams are going to take a flyer on him. I believe early in the second round, someone's going to pull the trigger. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Jordan, let's talk running backs because that to me is a very underrated need for the Jets. They need another running back to take some of the touches away from Michael Carter because Carter's dynamic, but he's not a guy that really should be touching the ball more than about 15 times a game. He's just too small, and if you give him the ball too much, you're going to wear him down. So you look at the guys that were in this game. Dalvin Cook's little brother, James, had that 67-yard run, which was the biggest play of the game. Zamir White, bigger bruiser. That's really the type of guy that the Jets could use. A thunder to Michael Carter's lightning, so to speak. Brian Robinson, the running back from Alabama, wasn't as effective in this game. But obviously we saw what he did against Cincinnati. Talk to me about those running backs and where you see them going in this draft. And if you think maybe one of them could be a decent option for the Jets. Yeah, for the Jets, like you mentioned, I love Michael Carter. I agree with you. He's not a feature back, but he is a great back to have there. Like you said, get him around 15 touches a game, maybe 10 carries, five pass catches, um, or, you know, 
give or take a few there, but I think he he's fantastic. I had him as a second round pick last year and you got him on day three, I believe, which was just great value. James cook is similar in terms of his skill set. I, I like Carter better because Carter was more compact. Carter um, has, in my opinion, a little bit better just vision and, and wiggle through the hole. But James Cook is a home run hitter, no doubt about it. He can play receiver, can line up in the backfield. I don't really think that's the compliment you want for Michael Carter. If you're going to compliment Michael Carter with one of these backs, for me, it's Zamir White or Brian Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe whichever one lasts longer in this draft could be the target just because you can get better value there. Zemir White, I think, is a little bit more explosive and a little bit more of that low center of gravity uh, power back that can kind of just run through you. Robinson has some of that, too, but he's a little taller. Um he definitely has better than advertised wiggle, but he's a power back as well. I think if you were going to get one of those two guys late in the draft, say late in the fourth, maybe fifth or sixth round, they could be quality compliments to a Michael Carter. Jordan, let's talk a little bit now about the defensive side of the ball, and we'll start in the secondary because the Jets need a lot of help there. They need another corner, they need some safeties, and this game had plenty of them. Now, let's start by saying Alabama's top two cornerbacks, both of whom I expect to get drafted probably somewhere in the middle rounds, Jalen Armour Davis and Josh Joby were injured and not playing in this game. But I still want to talk about them because obviously they could be of interest to the Jets. And then you take a look at Georgia. They've got Darian Kendrick, who is one of the most talented cornerbacks in this draft, but we all know about his issues off the field. He got kicked out of Clemson, entered the transfer portal, came to Georgia, and the reason he got kicked out of Clemson, while we don't know the exact breakdown of it, is that there were repeated violations of team conduct. So whatever that actually means, it's not good when there are repeated violations and they lead to a guy getting kicked out of a school. So when you're taking Darian Kendrick, you have to keep that in mind, but you know how talented he is. And you have two of the best safeties in this draft, Jordan Battle from Alabama and Lewis Seen from Georgia. Now, in this particular game, I thought Seen stood out more, but I really like Jordan Battle's tape too. So let's talk about this. Tell me about these players in the secondary because I really think that the Jets could potentially get one or two of them that could help them right away. Yeah, what's interesting, like you mentioned, I think Darian Kendrick is the most talented out of all of them the cornerback for Georgia, but he does have the, you know, questions off the field with his maturity and just how is he going to assimilate into the NFL? Is he going to be able to fit into your locker room, into your program? You're going to have to answer those questions with Darian Kendrick, but he has excellent ball skills, very smooth mover. He's really grown a lot in terms of just being more technical and uh, more intelligent at the position, in my opinion, this year. And I think if he's a guy that had his head on straight the whole time in college, he definitely could be a first-round pick. But I don't think that's going to be the case after having to leave Clemson, like you mentioned. Um, Battle and scene, I do agree, scene popped off the tape a little bit more in this one. But um, Battle is just very steady, very consistent. I think both of them are really going to project to be strong safeties at the next level. Seen, I think, has a little bit more range, but I don't know if he has those ball skills and the uh, flexibility and and 
elite explosiveness to kind of go up and be a disruptor at the catch point deep down the field consistently. But I think they're both going to be really good, versatile box safeties at the next level that can start for a long time. I'm not necessarily projecting either of them to be difference makers, but they should be quality starters. Anybody that is familiar with the mock drafts that I do on Twitter knows that I'm a big Jordan Battle fan. He ends up getting picked by me in a lot of mock drafts that I do. I do usually one a day, and it's very common occurrence to see the name Jordan Battle on my list. So I would absolutely love to see him with the Jets. It just kind of depends how the board breaks. I want to talk a little bit about the defensive line now because Georgia has two difference makers. We talked about one of them before, Trevon Walker. And then, of course, you take a look at the other guy on that line, Jordan Davis. Most likely, the Jets are not going to draft him, not because he's not awesome. He certainly is. But interior defensive line is one area where they don't really need to invest resources. And then Alabama, we talked about Will Anderson, but he's not the only one on that Alabama defensive line who could be making an impact in the pros. So let's talk about both teams and who they've got up front because Trevon Walker, to me, is the most likely candidate for the Jets. I saw Dane Brugler today talk about how he thinks Trevon Walker could be a top 10 pick. Perhaps if the Jets don't get an edge rusher at number four, Walker is their guy at number 10. It certainly would make sense. So as you said, versatile guy, explosive, can do a lot of things. And I think a perfect fit as a 4-3 end for what the Jets are looking to do with that defense with Jeff Ulbrich and Robert Sala. Tell me about these guys and what you think in terms of draft stock. Yeah, Trayvon Walker, I have him right in that range, more in the teens right now than, than in the top 10. But, of course, with a defensive end that's 6'5", 275, and can run like the wind and is really flexible and strong and shows good instincts and and ability overall, it's just one of those things where Georgia's defense, the way they, they try to attack via blitzes, switches, stunts, all those games up front, it doesn't really allow Trayvon Walker to just pin his ears back and try to rush the edge and – you saw that a lot this year, but he was able to still be very productive um, in, a, in a role where he would line up five tech, four eye, even, you know, heads up on the nose tackle, three tech. All He's lined up all over the Georgia defensive line and still been very productive. Um, I think, yeah, I, I might have said it to you last week. He has the potential to be the most complete edge rusher defensive end in this class in terms of becoming a double digit sack type of guy and also being an excellent run defender uh, I think he could he could really be a superstar at the next level I agree with you there and you mentioned Jordan Davis he played the most snaps that he has all year in this game 47 which is still not a ton about half the snaps you're seeing there uh, for that Georgia defense. So the question with Jordan Davis is, is he going to be an impact player as a pass rusher for you as an interior rusher? Is he going to be a three down lineman or is he just going to be a run stuffer? Um, I think he has the ability to make an impact, even if he's only playing half the snaps at the next level. How do you value that if you're an organization in terms of where you're going to draft someone who's maybe playing half to two thirds of your defensive snaps on a given day. 
I'm not sure, but I do know when he's gonna when he's on the field, he's gonna make an impact for you. Um, it's just all about where you value that. And then Devontae Wyatt. This is a guy, interior defensive lineman from Georgia. I think he's gone under the radar a little bit too much. I think he's fringe first-round talent, certainly second round. He is very explosive, very quick, very active hands. I think he's going to be a serious interior disruptor at the next level for whoever gets him. Um, And he can be a three-tech, a one-tech. He's 6'3", 315, so he's got that compact build for an interior defensive lineman and only six foot three, uh, but he's got strength and quickness, and he's going to be a handful for a lot of guards at the next level. At uh, Alabama, you obviously mentioned Will Anderson. We're not going to be able to see him in the NFL next year, but your other guy that you're going to see there, Fedarian Mathis, mm-hmm. he is going to be drafted on day two of this draft. He's an interior defensive lineman, kind of in the same mold as um, Devontae Wyatt for Georgia. I need to I need to study Fedarian Mathis a little bit more. I haven't gotten fully into his tape yet, but he's another guy that can be an interior disruptor and a good run defender in the middle for a defense at the next level. Jordan, last but not least, let's talk linebacker because, boy, do the Jets need some of those. They've got C.J. Mosley, who's going into what's probably going to be the last year of his career here with the Jets. He may go on after that, but if you look at the contract, it's not going to make sense financially for the Jets to keep him. So most likely he'll move on after this year, and the Jets don't have much beyond him. I know a lot of people like Quincy Williams. I do, too. A lot of great effort, but I'm not so sure that he's a long-term solution as a starter there. There were a couple of linebackers in this game that could, I think, be day one starters in the NFL. First and foremost, Christian Harris, who I think popped more than just about anybody on the field, which is saying something considering who was on the field and all the players that we've been mentioning. I think he probably played himself into the possibility of being a first round pick, which I didn't think was going to be the case. I thought he was probably going to be an early to mid-second rounder. Now I think if he tests well at the combine, good chance he goes in the first round. Quay Walker's more of a third, fourth round type of pick, but he had some really nice plays, and I think he could come in and potentially start day number one as well. Quay Walker, of course, the linebacker from Georgia. So tell me about these two. And of course, N'Kobe Dean, who's probably the biggest star of all of them, the leader of the Georgia defense, a real difference maker as an off-ball linebacker, even drawn some comparisons to Jonathan Vilma, which is incredible praise. I know a lot of people believe Christian Harris has the physical ability, but needs to develop the instincts, which can be difficult uh, for, for linebackers to fully um, mature and progress in that regard. It's not an easy position for sure, but he did have a heck of a game, made some really impressive tackles um, in space. Uh, I'm not convinced that he is a first round type of guy. I think he's more of a day two, um, day two linebacker. Probably for me, he's going to end up based on what I've seen so far, maybe a late second or third round grade. Quay Walker, another guy I have not studied a bunch, but he he made a ton of impact plays for Georgia's defense in this one. He can really rush uh, as a blitzer. Georgia loves those blitzes, and, and Walker can execute in that attacking style defense. So if you're looking for an outside linebacker that can do exactly that, attack the line of scrimmage, attack the backfield, Quay Walker can do that for you. But N'Kobe Dean, 
Uh, this guy mm-hmm. is going to be a superstar at the next level, in my opinion. He has a small tackle radius, which does worry me. Um, he's only six foot, definitely has short arms, misses some tackles because of that. But his diagnose, uh, his ability to diagnose def- uh, offenses and read and react incredibly quickly. Uh, I don't think there's many guys with better instincts than Nakobe Dean, and he has great speed. I think he's probably going to run in the four fours um, and he's got plenty of power in his compact body, uh, compact frame there. I think Nicobe Dean will be the first or second linebacker off the board. He's going to be my second linebacker. Uh, I have Devin Lloyd higher. I think Devin Lloyd is just kind of a freak uh, in terms of his length and athletic ability. Jordan DeLugo, who is, of course, the publisher and founder of thedraftjournal.com and a reporter covering the Jacksonville Jaguars for Generation Jag. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about the ups and downs and the stock report of the players that were in the national championship game between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Georgia Bulldogs. Really appreciate it. Check out everything Jordan is doing with Generation Jag and the Draft Journal. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has a new video up breaking down Zach Wilson's evolution from mistake-prone rookie to a more seasoned pro who doesn't make those same kind of back-breaking mistakes. You can watch the video, subscribe right now, and that way you get an alert every time we've got a new one up and you don't miss anything. Check out our store at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, the John Franklin Myers, Quinn Williams Bless You Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, mugs, hoodies, caps, it's all there, tpublic.com, that's tee and don't forget to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.